Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You're listening to DraftKings Network. This is the GM Shuffle. I really don't want to hear, well, it hasn't done it without Brady. I mean, like every coach needs a quarterback, right? Everyone. That's like saying Lee Harvey Oswald was a lone shooter. It's such a lazy narrative that it makes no sense. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and Visa. And I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. Michael, welcome to the second half of the NFL season, man. That first half blew on right by, and here we are already sitting here at week number 10. You know, I'm like the guy who, you know, goes on a diet and then splurges on two cheeseburgers as I sit here today. You know, it's like <laughs> I watched that 76er game last night and God damn it, they pull me back they in. Got you. I mean, like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, they got me hooked. I mean, the big fat face of mine, get hooked on that. I mean, look, I like Maxie. I really do. I like Nurse as a coach. But my Lord, they got me back in. Jesus Christ. It just shows you the power of, you know, people say, well, the NBA is not a coaching league. I sit here depressed. I mean, I like I, you know, I just went on. I, I was doing good. I was doing really good. And again, I just had to go back in. Like, <laughs> God damn it, Femi. I love it, though. I mean, everybody needs, like, the one team that could still get them emotional. And the Sixers are that team for you. They bring it out of you, which is fun. You know, it's, 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 it makes you feel alive. Yeah. It makes you feel alive. <laughs> it, you know, it's funny. When I watch some of those YouTube clips, uh, sometimes out, like, if I'm just, like, looking for something, uh, like, a specific instance, I go, go, I'll watch, like, the 72 Washington Redskin highlights in those uniforms. That just, like, oh, my God. Those uniforms bring it out. Like, I, oh, that's, like, the... Because when I was a kid, those uniforms were the greatest uniforms I ever saw in my life. You know, I know it's not politically correct because of all that, even though they the, 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 there's a group of people that have the petition assigned to say they should bring the name back. I get all that. I understand that. But to me, it's just something about it. But God damn it, last night, you know, it's like, son of a bitch. I would have lost. You know, if they lose by 20, I'm just going to go along. But they pull me. And then there it is, you know, Maxi yep. playing hard. They got big boy running up and down the court. I mean, God damn it. He is the reigning MVP. He was looking like an MVP last night, late in the game. Hits a nice turnaround jump shot there at the, in, in the mid-range area. Oh. I, I tell you what. Th- you know what's going to happen? I just tell you right now, I'm going to be in, I'm going to be in rehab by January the twentieth. I'll be in rehab. You'll you'll probably have to do the pod without me. I'll be up at Minneapolis. Betty Ford and I will be up there. I'll be in Sixer rehab in the wing again. Oh, you're back again, Mr. Lombardi. Here you come. <laughs> oh well, nice to see you. Really good. We got your room ready for you. Here you go. You know, <laughs> hi, I'm Michael Lombardi, and I'm, and I'm addicted to the Philadelphia 76. <laughs> <laughs> I've been here before. Yeah, I've been here before. <laughs> Here's my story. The midway point of the NFL, I, I collapsed that quickly. I mean, see, I'm like Kramer. I mean, I'm out. I mean, you know, like in that contest, in the contest. Yeah, <laughs> I'm out. No, it's uh, it, it was a, a nice night for the Sixers as they've won six straight here. So we'll we'll be keeping our eyes on what's going on there in the city of brotherly love, as well as with the Philadelphia Eagles here on the GM Shuffle. But uh, let's get to what's going on in Foxborough though, because the Patriots sitting at two and seven, uh, the, 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 the seat apparently is warming up, at least according to the media, for one Bill Belichick, the head coach of the New England Patriots. Obviously, this year has been a disaster, coming off the loss of the Washington Commanders last Sunday, and now they head over to Germany to take on the Indianapolis Colts and during his media availability earlier this week Bill Belichick was asked like hey are you coaching for your job and there are now reports out there saying that if they lose the Colts maybe he's not the guy here's what Belichick had to say though in response to uh, the questions that he got peppered by by the media yeah my focus is on getting ready for the Colts do you personally believe that you could be coaching for your job this week against the Colts I'm going to control it I can control it and get ready for the Colts 
how quickly things have turned there in New England over these past few seasons uh, ever since Tom Brady left. And now they made the playoffs with Mac Jones, but unfortunately this year it has gone poorly. Last year didn't go well as well. Uh, Just as as somebody who obviously follows the team very well, you know the coach personally, uh, (laughs) you see him answer the question that that way, I guess you'd say. Uh, What's your response? I mean, that's that's his answer. I don't think he really – he's looked in outside of other than the Colts. I mean, I know him well enough to know that – that's his preparation. Look, to me, this is a story that's generated from the media that builds momentum. It's the crowd. It, it's a little bit, it's really a little bit from it, the momentum that is gained from every time they play as poorly as they have. But I think really at the end of the day, no one's asking Mr. Kraft what he's going to do, right? It's all speculation. It's all not linked to any source. And I'm sure people have sources, but I think... If you're Kraft, if you want to be in Kraft's mindset, you have to ask yourself, really, it comes down to one question. It's like when Jim Garrison is sitting there on the bench with Donald Sutherland and Mr. X, and you know they're going through all the scenarios and all the noise, and, and he says the other stuff is all just scenery. It's like a parlor game. It keeps them guessing, right? It prevents them from asking the fundamental question, why? And for Kraft, the fundamental question is, can this man who's won six Super Bowls for us be the guy responsible to lead the organization into the next decade with another quarterback? And if he asks any other question but other than that, he's going to get the wrong answers. If he says, well, I think Mac's the right guy, he's going to get the wrong answer. If he thinks the team is horrible and they can't win, he's going to get a wrong answer. He's got to ask himself a very specific question. And then he's got to give himself the right answer because oftentimes in sports that I've learned over my career is we all think the grass is greener. I mean, think about, and we, Belichick and I both subscribe to the Art Modell theory of hiring, which is he just wants to change. So Modell would say, you know, Femi, you do 15 things really good, but you do two things shitty. So I'm going to fire you for the two things you do bad, and I'm going to hire somebody who does those two things really well, but he may only do four things good. So now I'm minus nine on the day, right? I mean, this is a man who thought, you know, that he could replace Paul Brown, right? And then he thought he could replace Marty Schottenheimer because he thought the grass was greener because he didn't take a step back and say, wait a minute, Marty might not be perfect in these areas, but he's really good in so many of these other areas. So he hired Bud Carson to help fix the defense, which really didn't fix the defense, and it went to hell. It's the same thing with Belichick. He fires Belichick because of the offense, and he hires Ted Marshabroda, but did that really fix it? The next thing, he had to bring Brian, Brian Billick in three years after they moved. So I think that's really what it gets down to, is, is Kraft has to sit there with his son Jonathan and Dan and the family, and they've got to say, is this can we go forward or if we want to make change because we want to become more involved that's every right that they have as an ownership group they can do that but to me there's really it's a really simple question to ask and whether he's fighting for his coaching job or not i mean how many coaches that have won six super bowls are fighting for their coaching job and, and i'll show mcvay doing without stafford how's that going not right well we saw it like last how's Sunday. that working out yeah, I mean, how's that working out, right? I mean, like th- every coach needs a quarterback, right? Everyone. Like everyone needs a quarterback. I mean, how about Mike Tomlin without Big Ben? How's that working out? He's good. He's working. But is it great, right? Like, come on. You know, how about, you know, how about Bill Polian without Peyton Manning? How'd that work out? How's that working out? Like, to me, that's such a la- – that's like saying Lee Harvey Oswald was a lone shooter. It's such a lazy narrative that it makes no sense. So, like, for me, like, once you get past that, and I'm sure all the talking heads on the Worldwide Leader, that's all they want to talk about, but they never ask the other question. What was Don Shula like without this? What was Jimmy Johnson like without Troy in Miami? You want to answer that? You know, like, what, what – tell me. Yeah, no, no, nobody is. And I, it's, I, I'm glad you said that it's such a stupid narrative because it annoys me. And I, I'm not even a Patriots fan. I've never rooted for the Patriots ever in my life unless I bet on them. And I just like, I'm like, 
it doesn't make sense. Like, you need more than one person to go ahead and have a dominant 20-year run. It's not just one person because now the whole conversation is, oh, the Patriot way was actually the Brady way because then he went and won in Tampa the year after he left. It's like, guys, come on. Like, like, come on. Like, we saw Brady last year. Like, that didn't look that good because there wasn't the surrounding pieces and there wasn't the help there. Like, you need help. A coach needs a quarterback. A quarterback needs a coach. And the, both of them need a defense and all those types of things to go ahead and dominate for 20 years. Like, it's just – it's idiotic, and I don't even, like, want to breathe life into it. But I do want to ask you this, though, from Robert Kraft's standpoint, because we've talked about this especially last week with the Raiders and how the media and the fan base can put pressure and apply pressure on an owner. The owners, they have those rabbit ears. They listen to that kind of stuff. Do you think that – Kraft could be influenced by the peppering of questions that the media is sending towards Bill Belichick that he should be on the hot seat. You know, we're coming up about Christmas season, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think one of the great stories, uh, you know, when we go to kindergarten and, and grade school, we learn really two powerful lessons. We learn the story of the tortoise and the hare, right? Yep. That, you know, if you are the tortoise in life, you're going to be great. If you're the hare, you're probably not going to achieve anything. And we also learn about Ebenezer Scrooge. And we learn about the moment where he and Peter Kaufman, the great uh, executive of Glen Eyre, who I've gotten to become very close friends to, and he's been tremendous to my life and growth and leadership. He used to say this to me all the time. You have to base your decisions as if you were Scrooge. Where Remember in the scene where Scrooge is, is faced to, you know, he's, they've asked him to look at the present the past, the present, and the future, and then he's privy to the conversations about him in the future, and you don't like that. And I think Kraft has to make that decision not based on what the media wants him to do, is how will he be recognized in the future? With this, if he fires Belichick and hires Mayo or hires someone else, I don't know, you know, how will that be viewed? And can that work? Because if it doesn't, all these people that are telling them to fire Belichick are going to be sitting there saying you should have never fired Belichick. Like you're on the wrong side of the argument if you don't do what's right. And Kraft, 20-some years ago, did the right thing, and he hired Belichick and Ian O'Connor, and everybody came out and said it was the dumbest hire of all time. Yet he did his convictions. So now he's faced with this, this question some 20 years later. He's got to go back to the same thing that he believed in. I mean, it's, it should get him in the Hall of Fame based on the one hire, and it should solve this issue. He should just go back to Scrooge. What are they going to say about this decision in the future? What did they say about Scrooge in the future? He was, he was greedy. He was all about himself. He didn't like that. He wanted to change. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good lesson. And yes, times are really rough right now. I mean, the Patriots have the worst record in the AFC. Like, that's something that has never come out of my mouth since this Belichick regime took over back in the early 2000s. But... For Robert Kraft, it's like you kind of have to stick to your guns and sort of just evaluate it from your perspective and see if you can kind of weather this storm that's currently out there. But as it stands right now, they're in position to go ahead and draft a quarterback next season. Maybe things can start to turn after that. Not to put everything on Mac Jones, but uh, he hasn't played really well uh, over the last couple of seasons. So we will get into some other news and notes from around the league and stay in the AFC East because uh, uh, there's some interesting times out there in the Meadowlands with the New York Jets. We'll discuss it next here on the GM Show. All right, anytime you're on the golf course, you always hear the phrase, hit it long and hit it straight. Well, as somebody who's a novice to the game of golf, a new person, I wanted to make sure I had the best equipment possible. So, as a novice golfer, I went and hit up our friends over at PXG because they have an all-new driver called the Black Ops. I mean, my man Chris over in Henderson has hooked me up with a phenomenal driver that's built to my game. My new game that doesn't really do much of anything on the course, but... It has what I need in terms of the club head speed and the kind of grip that I need to go out there and be the best to my ability. I mean, this is music to ears to any golfer, whether you're a novice like myself or if you've been playing the game for decades. The PXG Black Ops Driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering, unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Ops Drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus 
for unreal forgiveness. That's just ridiculously high. So what you got to do, go check out the PXG Black Ops Driver. You'll be as impressed with it as I am. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment at pxg.com slash gmshuffle and use code gmshuffle at checkout. That's pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle for free shipping on all equipment, pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle. Well, Monday night was a tough, uh, tough evening for the New York Jets as they lost to the Los Angeles Chargers. Penalties, mistakes, just all, you name it, the Jets were doing it in that loss. There. I don't even think the Chargers <laughs> even played that well. And they just said, all right. No, they, I mean, I thought the Chargers, I, mean, <laughs> like, I, I mean, I don't even know what the hell the Chargers were doing. I mean, the great Kellen Moore, what was he doing over there? I, I mean, mean, you know, he should be trying to get, Herbert get killed. 17 head coaching interviews based on that performance. You know, I mean. I love it when Aikman gets so pissed off. I oh, love yeah. that. I, I love that side of Troy where he kind of like, okay, I've had enough of this crap. I mean, like, seriously, how many more penalties can you have? And Salah's over there sitting there like it's no big – like he's not saying anything. And, it, you know, just feel sorry for me. Feel sorry for me. You know, it's not my fault. This guy sucks. It's not my fault. He had eight penalties for 40 yards. Eight penalties for 40 yards. You know what that means? Eight for 40, right? Okay, that means – A lot of means, procedural stuff. That every penalty was five yards. Every penalty was five yards. That was every penalty. So that means it was offsides, false start, defensive holding, something you can control. Yeah, it was. It was not a good situation there. And then Sal- Robert Sala was asked about this by Michael Kay on the radio earlier this week, ESPN New York Radio, about hey, why hasn't the team? If if Zach Wilson is so bad. Why has the team not turned to Trevor Simeon at quarterback? And here's what Robert Sala had to say. I got you. No, it's, uh, again, a fair question. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, like I said, he, he, I don't know. You got me. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plead the fifth on all this one in terms of just, uh, I've, I kind of explained it, you know, yeah. respectfully, obviously, but, mm-hmm. but it's a, va- they're valid questions, but, and I know, and I know from, the, from a passionate fan, from, from fans who are passionate, all having the same questions, I respect it greatly. That audio courtesy of the, the Yes Network and ESPN New York. He's pleading the fifth, Michael. Pleading the fifth on I why mean, he's playing what, this quarter. I mean, like, what did he think that response was going to do? Like, what did he think that was going to generate? Like, you know, what does he think it was going to – what was going to occur with that response? I mean, did he think that that by pleading the fifth he did something? It's like, you know, it's like – it's like the, a non-denial denial. I mean, it's, I've been obsessed with it all. I was back – I read All the President's Men again, and then I watched this documentary on it, and I was watching the conference that they had down at the LBJ Library because I guess they gave their all their notes to it, and they talk about the – all the non-denial denials and all that. This is what this is. Like, it, just say it. Joe Douglas wants me to play him. I don't want to play him, but he wants me to play him. Or Woody Johnson wants me to play him. I don't know, but that's what you're saying when you say it. It's ups- There's no that's absence of leadership, what you just did. You might plead the fit, but there's an absence of leadership. You got to stand there and take the blows. That's why they're paying you six, seven million dollars a year. You got to stand there and say, hey, look. We're working with him. He's getting better. You guys don't see it yet. You know, he hasn't thrown an interception in three weeks. You know, we're going to have to eliminate the fumbles. We've had five fumbles over the last two games. we got to cut that down. We're in positions. You know, we have a chance to move the football. we got to get better on th- whatever you want to say, right? Like, whatever you want to say, but you got to say something. You can't just plead the fifth because now they're putting words in your mouth. I mean, you, now you, you, you might as well wear sunglasses and sit there – with a smirk on your face like Sam Giancana did in front of the investigation committee. You know, like, I plead the fifth. Now, you're a mafia boss when you plead the fifth. I'm guilty, but I can't tell you I'm guilty. Like, seriously, what are we doing? <laughs> Solid doesn't want to commit perjury, apparently, <laughs> on, on the radio show. But I, I mean, like, one... You're not under oath. <laughs> exactly. You're not under oath. I mean, he, here's the problem. The guy – so here's, what, here's how you know the Jets have rabbit ears, right? Everybody wants to talk about the interceptions, right? The guy's thrown three – he threw three interceptions against against the Cowboys, okay? Since then, he's thrown one. He's thrown one. They fumbled as a team. They have fumbled as a team eight times since then. He's holding the football. He's taking sacks because he doesn't want to throw the ball and get it intercepted and listen to the bullshit. And listen to the bull. He's holding the ball. 
Like, get it out of your hand. Okay, you know, you're coaching him to not make a mistake, but yet he's making a ton of them. He's making a ton of them. And, you know, you're not, you know, you lost to Dallas the next week. New England beat you. You throw for a buck 57. I mean, this week you're going against a Charger team. I mean, you can't protect it. You're letting them hold the ball. I mean, it's really bad. And, you know, I'm sure Nathaniel Hackett will take the heat for it because Salah's just going to stand on the sideline and say, see, it, it, to me, I agree. If he, should, if he doesn't want to play Wilson, then he's got to go in there and say, look, I don't want to play the guy. It's over with for me. I'm not playing him. But when you do what you did, you basically are saying, feel sorry for me. They're making me play him. Nobody's going to feel sorry for you. No one's going to, no Jet fan's going to feel sorry for you if you don't have enough guts to go in there and stand up to Douglas or Woody Johnson. I mean, how do you think Douglas felt when he saw that, when he heard that? You don't think he marched down into Salah's office and said, yo, bro, you know, you just made it look like I'm making you play the guy. Play whoever the fuck you want. No, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And I think something that you've said in the past here when we've done this podcast is that when the head coach is speaking with the media, you're actually speaking to the team. And when you say that you're pleading the fifth and you don't know why you're playing the guy, what do the rest of the guys in that locker room then say? Because that gives them even more excuse to be like, well, it's not our fault that we're sucking. It's on Zach Wilson, to which, yeah, Zach Wilson is bad. We all know that. But there's a lot of bullshit going on with the Jets as well to where guys are fumbling, guys aren't making the plays. Like, how about you try to make a play for Zach Wilson as well? Like, just because he's bad, it doesn't absolve anyone else from criticism. Like, like, a lot of guys feel like they're just like, well, Zach Wilson's a target number one, two, and three uh, in the ire of Jets fans, so I can just go ahead and do my thing. Like, like to me, it, it feels like there's a lot of excuse making and a lot of feel sorry for us because we don't have our desired quarterback. Exactly what it is. He just wants everybody to feel sorry for him. He thinks he's going to play the sympathy card. You know, I mean, like, look, they, barely, they, shouldn't be, they shouldn't be four and four. They're not a good team. You know, they lose their, they shouldn't be four and four. They should have lost to Philadelphia if Hurts doesn't throw that stupid interception at the end of the game. And they definitely shouldn't have beat the Giants. I mean, they should be three and five. That's kind of what they are. They had a good win against Denver. You know, they turned the ball over with Denver. They had a they had a good win in that game. They had a great win opening day against Buffalo. So they won those two games. But I mean, tell me, tell me what other game that they should win. I mean, they're four and four, right? Okay, so like I mean, like they couldn't, have, they weren't going to beat that. They lost to New England, the Kansas City. I mean, they should be at two and six, really, when you boil it down. They should have beat Denver. Well, they beat Buffalo too, so give them that. So they yeah. basically they should have beat Buffalo and Denver. Now the other ones, I mean, you could easily make the case they could have lost easily. You say, well, Kansas City, we could have won that game. You, your defense couldn't get off the field the last seven minutes of the game. How you win in that game? I mean, Philly gave you the game, and so did the Giants. If I mean, the fact that the Giants put their kicker on IR afterwards, you have to wonder, like, who in the box is telling somebody to kick it there if the kicker's hurt? Like, why didn't we just run the goddamn ball? Didn't make a whole lot of sense there with the New York Giants, did, but they'll always have the 99.7% implied probability in the, in the victory in that column there you to win that, that one. Probably, yeah. I mean, <laughs> shit, I, I mean, I'm down. I, I'm 17 and nine against Russo and I, that one's going to caunt me until the end. I should be 18. I should be 18 and nine is what I should be. Well, hey, sec, you know, second half surge. I mean, <laughs> a, lot, a lot of football love. You can still make that up. <laughs> uh, I, if I keep going at 18 and nine, I'm going to be really good. Here we go. Let's just go ahead and keep on the path forward. And speaking of the path forward, uh, how about the Arizona Cardinals? The mayor, he's back, Michael. The mayor will be making his 2023 season debut as they host the Atlanta Falcons. Kyler Murray, once again, will be starting for the Arizona Cardinals. And after what we saw last week from the Cardinals, I guess this was kind of the situation. Hey, we can't put that back out there with Clayton Toon. Sorry for him to have to go play Uh against the Cleveland Browns here. But uh, what, what are you expecting to see here from Kyler Murray? And what do you make of the decision to put him back out there on the field? Well, I don't like the decision at all because I, I don't know if he's going to be healthy at all. You know, I think you got to consider that. Can he move? I mean, look, here's a kid that needs to move around. He needs to use speed and quickness for him to be successful. But I, I can't imagine that he's got that back, right? I can't imagine that he's got that. And so when you, when you, you know, you bring him back in and you look at the number and you look at his numbers, you know, when you look at his numbers, the last what, uh, well, he got hurt against, uh, against New, New England, England. Uh, you know, in that game. Yep. 
you know, and so when you look at his numbers, the last few games that he played, I mean, they, they weren't very good. Before the New England game, before the Charger game, he was inactive. He was he was hurt for two games in that game. And then you go back and you look at him when he played. I mean, New Orleans, he had a good game. But other than that, I mean, like Femi, I, I mean, the, he hasn't played well. If you keep him in the pocket, like, like they got to be really sure he can move and run around and show quickness. And, and they have seen him and I haven't. So you got to give them the benefit of the doubt there. Now, they're going to need James Connors back there. They'll need to be able to run the football. But, you know, I mean, everybody, the line moves slightly towards them. I don't know why. Like, I don't, I don't know why. Has Murray played that well that you're going to just absolutely think that, you know, he's going to come back and play really good? Who's he going to throw the ball to? How's he going to move around? I mean, they scored. If you go back against – if you just start the season last year with Kingsbury, I mean, they lose to – they beat they beat the Raiders that on the second half comeback right. They lose to the Rams. They they beat the Panthers. Then they lose to the Philly, the Eagles, Seattle. They can't score points. They win a shootout with New Orleans, and then they lose to Minnesota and they lose to Arrows and they lose to Seattle. And you know, and then he gets hurt and it's over. Yeah. Well, uh, Drew Betzig, the offensive coordinator, says that there's not going to be any limitations uh, for Kyler Murray there. So it sounds like he's good to go. I mean, it's a remarkable recovery. He tore his ACL last December, but I guess that goes to show you the modern medicine. I guess ACL recovery is now nine to ten months versus the full calendar year that we've seen in the past there. Only two games last year, Femi, did he run the ball more than ten times. You know, he ran it against Seattle, had 100 yards rushing in that game, and then he ran it 12 times against Carolina. He had 26 yards. So... You know, the last time, you know, he can run the football effectively when he's out there. And I'm assuming they're going to have to use him somewhat in the running game. They'll get Connor back. But if you're smart and you're the Atlanta Falcons, this is a game about controlling your pass rush, keeping him in front of you, making him beat you from the pocket, you know, making him have to make throws from the pocket and use his arm and skill as a pocket passer. That's something that has he has struggled with since – you go back to the playoff game loss to the Rams, and you go back to the Seattle game that you know Seattle had nothing to play for, and they beat them thirty-eight to thirty-eight to twenty, thirty-eight thirty, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. high-scoring game there at the end of the season. Do you think that real quick that Kyler is auditioning for his job here, or do you think that this is Arizona saying, "Hey, he's he our be. guy"? He has to audition for his job. You got to compare him to you got to compare him to the players coming out. That's the job of the general manager. You got to compare the player you have to the one because one thing we do know, you got an elite quarterback like Buffalo, you're going to have a chance to win. The audition starts on Sunday. We'll get to some mid-season superlatives on the other side. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, the second round of the playoffs have been absolutely phenomenal, and if you really like a team, you can bet on them for the futures markets, maybe some conference finals MVPs as the conference finals approach, or how about NBA finals MVP? And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, because we're at the halfway point, let's go ahead and hand out some mid-season hardware, and we'll start with the most decorated award in the National Football League. That is league's most valuable player. Michael, who is your mid-season MVP? Who do you think could be a dark horse? And uh, we'll kind of go into the conversation from there. 
Well, I, I think Lamar's the MVP. And I, and I think I said this on our show together on Saturday. I think Joe Burrow was the dark horse. I think he was 20 to 1 or 30 to 1 on Saturday. Yep, 20 to 1. This past Saturday when we did the show together. I, I, I think to me, those two guys, and when you look at Burrow over the first four games, they averaged 4.57 yards per attempt. He's up to 7.1. They still can't run the football as an offense. They average their 31st in rushing attempts, 32nd in yards gained. So they don't even try to really run the ball. Everything falls on his shoulders, you know, and he's been able the last four weeks to really respond. I think to me, you know, the way he goes is how this team's going to go. And I, and I think clearly that one there is, is the best one. I think he was 20 to 1. I still like I still like Lamar at plus you know, he's three fifty. Yep. You know I, you can get rid of your two tickets, although you know you're not allowed to say that everybody won't. But you know the guy having a good year that won't get enough credit because the offense isn't good as Mahomes. Yeah, Mahomes is more accurate this year. He's done a lot of things really well. He's just not getting a lot of help. And for Josh Allen, if the Bills to me, Josh Allen at at plus uh, I think what is he plus uh, twenty he's, to one? Yeah, he's twenty to one now. He's 20 to 1 now. I mean, if they go on a roll, it's going to be because he's the MVP of the league. He's got to be the MVP of the league. They're not good enough to off- overcome anything. I think people have finally seen through the Bills, especially defensively. So he's going to have to carry the team. The problem is with him is, you know, he can't throw the ball down the field. I think he's, his, his injury, this shoulder injury, even though they don't say it's there, it's pretty obvious that he's got something bothered him because I think he's one of the lowest-rated quarterback – not I think. I know he's one of the lowest-rated quarterback throwers in, in the league right now over 20 yards. So that, that's a problem. Yeah, no, that he was uh, – a couple of weeks ago, I believe it was, when he didn't practice on a Wednesday, and then he practiced back on Thursday and Friday with that shoulder. So clearly that has him dinged up just a little bit here. But I agree with you. I think Lamar Jackson at the midway point – obviously things can change. We still have – you know, nine more weeks to go here in the regular season. But at the midway point, Lamar Jackson is the MVP, in my opinion. I did consider, though, Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes as potential MVP guys. Like, Hurts, like, the stats are there. Uh, I mean, like, the Eagles, they don't look as crisp as we saw last year. But he is just showing so much toughness for that team. And despite them not playing their best football, as he said, uh, they're sitting there at 8-1 and one with the best record in the league. So I thought Hurts deserved a little bit of uh, but they w- consideration. They win well. close games, you know, like he, you know, the mistake he made against the Jets, obviously, they could have won yeah. that game. I mean, that, the I mean, only loss they had is, the, is <laughs> they should be not, they could be, for everybody who says they're, they, they could have lost three games, you could easily say they should have won, they should have beaten that team. So, like, for me, I, I don't think there's any doubt about it that, you know, he, but he is playing through a lot of pain. You could see he's got a lot of discomfort. But, you know, with Allen, he just turns the ball over quite a bit, and that, that's a problem. He has turned it over. He passed the, the – uh, he's now alone in first place as the most interceptions thrown. So I think that's the hard one for him. Well, what if and, – and, Michael, what if a rookie could potentially win MVP? Because our buddy – I know where you're our, going with our, this. Our, I know where you're going our, with this. Our, our buddy – I know. Our buddy Danny O has been saying – that C.J. Stroud should be in consideration for not just offensive rookie of the year, where he's the go-away favorite, but MVP. And I was looking back doing some homework saying, all right, has a rookie ever won this award? It has happened. The first year they ever gave out the award, 1957, Jim Brown was the rookie of the year and the MVP. So not since Jim Brown in 1957 has a rookie ever won MVP, but according to you our guy, even, you Stroud think he even knows that? He doesn't even think football existed. Is past 2005. I mean, the guy doesn't even have Joe Montana's top five quarterbacks. I mean, and he's sitting there expert on quarterbacks. I mean, seriously, come on. All right. L- l- you know who he is? I swear to God, y- you're too young to remember. But th- there's an old show called Green Acres, and they had this character, Mr. Haney. Mm-hmm. And he would try to sell you anything. Like, he would try to sell you anything, right? He'd come around. I got this. I got that. You know, I used to call this agent Paul Jones from uh, – he was from Tennessee. Kind of, I said, you're like Mr. Haney. You'll sell anything. This, And now he's become the he- – they should just get him a top hat, a short tie, a vest, a clock watch, and put his ass on TV, and he can become Mr. – he can become this generation's Mr. Haney. Because, like, all he's trying to do is sell stuff. Like, the other day – Somebody sent me a tweet that he said, well, Zach Wilson played really good the other day. Are you, Seriously, you're going to go with that rhetoric? Like you're going with that? Like, you're seeing something that no one else is seeing? You're not that smart, okay? None of us are that smart. 
Like, give me a break. You just say shit to say shit. You're just trying to sell anything. Like, like at some point, you got to have the ability to say it with facts, to back it up. 57, you don't even, you, he doesn't even know the last guy that did it was Jim Brown. <laughs> now, if he wanted to say this, hey, look, he's not going to win it. But I think there's a, there's a conversation about this kid being the best player in the league. How, even if you said it like that, He's not better than Burrow. He's not better than Mahomes. He's not better than he's not better than Tua. He's not doing things that Tua's doing. I mean, and I'm not even thinking Tua can win it. It's just asinine, honestly. It is just asinine. Like he's not going to win it. And like the fact that he's—I mean, obviously you said when you sell anything, I guess you'll say anything. But he's—he he should have a segment called "Just Saying." But I'm just saying, like it's—it's. It's, he should it's, have it's, a segment ridiculous. called "Mr. Eustace Haney." That was his first name, Eustace. Uh, Mr. <laughs> Eustace Haney. Re- Wants to sell you something. I, I'm I'm looking up the I mean, Wikipedia. That's what you do. <laughs> I'm looking up Green Acres on Wikipedia here, just because like I, I like you said, final episode was 1971. I was not around for then. It says uh, Mr. Haney was the oily, dishonest local salesman who originally sold Oliver the Green Acres farm. So that's the first line under Mr. Yeah. Haney's uh, description there. <laughs> so that, that's what we're I saying. I mean, just sell you anything. I'll sell anything. I don't really care. And if it, and if it's not true, it don't bother me at all. Well, something next week. <laughs> That's what we'll move on to. Uh, let's move on to offensive player of the year. Who do you got for this award? Well, I, I mean, I think the offensive player of the year is Tyreek Hill. Yeah. I mean, nobody tilts the – like, you, you can't – to me, if you want to make a case for him for being the MVP, I'm all for it. But you can't, you can't tell me he's not the best offensive player in football. He tilts the field, right? He scares everybody to death. So I, I don't see how he's not. Yeah, no, it's it's a, a, a lockstone Tyreek Hill right now uh, as we hit the midway point. Things can obviously change, but at the midway point is Tyreek Hill. A.J. Brown, Kish, Christian McCaffrey, those guys also in consideration as well. I mean, what if McCaff- McCaffrey might make a running at LaDainian Tomlinson's all-purpose touchdown record? Then maybe he gets 31 touchdowns, 32 touchdowns, something like that. The guy is on a ridiculous touchdown streak. Seems like he scores on every single game there. But uh, Tyreek Hill's the, the and offensive And A.J. Brown the deserves the conversation. I don't want to. I don't want to just dismiss AJ Brown because yeah. he's been unbelievable. I don't want to dismiss that at all. He's been incredible. He's better than anybody expected, except for AJ, who thinks he's great. I mean, even the Eagles have to be saying to themselves, "Man, this guy. We knew he was good, but we didn't know he was this good." Like that's one of those where you, when you're in the league, you realize a player's good, but then when you have him, you're like, "Holy shit, this guy's really good." And so, to me, I, I wouldn't dismiss him, but he'll. I mean. Hill changes everything in Miami. And he's on pace to have 2,000-plus receiving. Like, like that's pretty damn special. And I get it. Obviously, there's an extra game and all that stuff. But still, what he's doing is ridiculous. So Tyreek Hill, the midseason offensive player of the year. How about defensive player of the year? Well, I mean, I think Miles Garrett has been sensational. You're right. So I, I don't know. I mean, the Browns have one of the best defenses in all of football. I think that's probably would, where I would lean here at that pick. Uh, you know, I mean, he's been so dominant in terms of the way they move him around and what they do with him. I kind of feel like he is the the one of the key players of that defense. And if you take him off the field and what he's been able to accomplish, you know, I, I don't see Micah having the same year that he's having. Although I think, look, all these guys are great. Same thing with T.J. Watt. I think all those guys are great. But I, I think this kid really, to me, the Browns are where they are because of the defense and because of him. The guys that I was considering, T.J. Watt, obviously, he's phenomenal. Micah Parsons, of course, he's ridiculous at what he does. I also considered Max Crosby as well. Now, the Raiders don't have the wins to have him in this conversation, but Crosby, the, the motor that he has, my goodness, the guy never comes off the field. That yeah. deserves some sort of recognition. But uh, Miles Garrett right now, as we sit here, I think is the defensive player of the year. Uh, there's too much agreement. Ima- imagine <laughs> how good. Imagine how good. Crosby could be if he had another guy. Now, whether Wilson's that other guy or not, I don't know. He's not looked like it as a first-round pick yet, but it's early, especially with edge rushers, it's early. But, you know, just say they drafted Jalen Carter. Imagine oh. Jalen Carter next to him. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to imagine that. That's that, that, That's – I mean – Head on a swivel if you're one of those AFC West quarterbacks, if that's a duo on a, on a defensive line. Let's get to coach of the year. We've got a couple minutes left. Who's your coach of the year at the midway point? Man, that's a good one there. Uh, I think this one's wide open, which is interesting. It really is. I mean, I think you got to give Mike McDaniels a lot of consideration here because of what he's been able to do with his team and the offense. I think they're going to get – I think they're a sleeping giant because of the – of 
where they're going to be defensively. I think they definitely are a sleeping giant. Uh, I think Dan Campbell certainly will get a lot of love and recognition for what he's done with his team at six and two going into this weekend. You know, I, I think there's no question. I mean, I think early in the season, Sean McVay, I thought he's this to me, this is Sean McVay's best coaching job, right? I think he's done it. I mean, you have to give Harbaugh a lot of love here too in the conversation. And then the last six games, the Minnesota Vikings, if they could ever stop fumbling, you you know, Kevin O'Connell. So to me, I think it's between O'Connell, Harbaugh, and McDaniel. The guys I was considering, Harbaugh, obviously among them. Sirianni, I think, does deserve some love. Like, they're 8-1. They're winning a lot of these close games. They have the best record in the league. Dan Campbell, of course, uh, what they're doing in Detroit now coming off the bye. Mike Tomlin, they've been outgained, but they win games. <laughs> like, they just win football yeah, games. They, they wouldn't give it to Tomlin last year. He should have won it last he year. Won I, it last I voted year. for him last year. I but, mean, you know, I mean, look, I, I think Sirianni, I mean, to me, Sirianni, you know, his teams play well every week and they find ways to win. I don't think you can argue that. But, I, I, I mean, look, how about D'Amico Ryans? His team's four and four. Now, I know he's got the MVP on his team. I understand that. You know, Mr. Haney's just told me that. But, I mean, you got to give him some credit here of taking a franchise that was in complete ruins and bringing them where they are. I mean, yeah. that's impressive. And they've had a lot of injuries down there in Houston as well. But when you have the MVP, you have the ultimate deodorant. So, uh, D'Amico gets knocked for that one. But my coach of the year, though, is the guy that you did mention last, Kevin O'Connell, Vikings sitting at five and four, at least at the midway point right now, four and no without yeah. Justin Jefferson. Kirk Cousins is out and winning no that run game, game with Dobbs. And no run and game. And no run game. He but, has no run game. But and the, their defense, and I'll tell you, Brian Flores' defense has done a great job. Yeah, he should be under consideration for assistant coach of the year or coordinator of the year, whatever the award is, because they have done a hell of a job over there in the Twin Cities. So those are our midseason awards. Rookie of the year, they're obvious. It's Stroud and Carter. Uh, <laughs> we'll see it at the end of the season. Let's get to the games, though, on the other side to wrap up the pot. All right, let's get to the games this week, week number 10 in the National Football League, starting in Los Angeles. Short week for Brandon Staley and the Los Angeles Chargers as they host the Detroit Lions, who are coming off of the bye. The Lions now a three-point favorite on the road. A lot of respect here for the Detroit Lions. Uh, how do you see this one playing out tomorrow, or rather Sunday afternoon, over at SoFi Stadium? I mean, look, you just said something that I think is wrong. You just said the Lions are on the road. They're not on the road. Are they on the road? I mean, seriously, are they going to be on the road? I don't think so. Yeah, they travel you well. You know, one of the things, you know, one of the things that I've always tried to do is figure out like who goes from a dog to a favorite, right? And you you have a sense of, oh, one of the things that I always do before I do play Russo on Friday is I look at the circuit lines and to see if the lines moving. And because I really don't understand gambling cuz I got to get started on it late and it's like uh, now I've been doing it for five years. I kind of have a sense of maybe that's not really the right thing. And then when you look at the stats, teams that move from dogs to favorites, they actually end up 45 and 84 against the spread since 2019. And this year it's 9 and 12 against the spread. So you, you're always a little hesitant about that move. It makes you feel good initially like I used to. But then it doesn't make you feel very good when you see the results. You know, like, why is that moving? What happened? They set the line for a reason. This is a game where, look, if you're going to beat the Lions, you got to throw the ball. And that's what the Chargers could do. But I think what we saw the other night, Femi, was we saw a team, you know, that without Mike Williams, that they struggled to throw the ball. They didn't have Palmer. They didn't have Williams. And so now, all of a sudden, Keenan Allen – and Quentin Johnson, to me, Johnston was more of a vertical receiver coming out of college with not a really not a lot of ability to run the route tree yet. And so, without Palmer and without you know those guys, who are they throwing it to? That that's the big issue, right? And I think that's where, on paper, you want to take the Chargers because everybody's betting the Lions. I mean, they're getting like eighty-five. The Chargers have one percent of the money coming in on them. One percent. <laughs> I mean, this might move to three and a half. How's that even possible? That's crazy. I mean, there's a lot of love for well, Detroit. Well, no, I mean, there, yeah, there's sometimes you just get like, I look at that every week. Like the the Giants actually have more money on them at 16 and a half than the Chargers do as a home dog, as a home dog, right? They get, the Giants, 6% of the money's coming in on them. 
So, but the matchup, really the matchup does favor the Chargers. They can throw the ball, assuming they can get their receivers going, that they can throw the ball effectively. Now, the one thing I do think is this is the first game the Lions are going to be healthy in. Montgomery's due back. Their offensive line seems to be 100% healthy. They're rested. I mean, it's a great opportunity for them. I don't know how they weren't the Sunday night game. I really don't. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we should have done some flexing with that one. Bad job of the league there. But maybe Al and, and – not Al, <laughs> Mike and Chris wanted to come out and uh, check out another residency or something like that. Maybe that's how they got to stick to this one here at the Las Vegas Raiders. But I think the, the interesting point here is I, I think that the Lions in the trenches, I feel like, can beat the Chargers up. And then also, I just don't know if like the charge, like the passing game, like can they pass it? I I haven't seen it from this Chargers offense. I have not seen the downfield passing game ever since Mike Williams went out. So I don't think we're going to see it again. And the Lions fans travel very very well. They overran Lambeau Field. What do you think they're going to do at SoFi Stadium? I mean, it, it might be 85, 90 yeah, percent exactly. Detroit Lions fans. Out well, there, it always you know? is. It always is there. You have no home field. I mean, you know, yeah. and and look, we got, you know, I mean, John Gotti does Staley. I mean, you know, you got. He he's never going to get it. Although their defense has played really well the last four weeks, they've stopped the run. They've played a lot better in that. Can they cover? I think that's going to be the key. And if Goff has time to throw the ball, which with his line he should, then he could make it go. I mean, that's going to be the key to the game. You know, Goff is and he's playing in a comfortable environment. And you know, when he's when he's at home, he's better than when he's on the road. But he'll probably think he's at home here. He might go to the visit. He might go to the home locker room when he gets to the stadium. <laughs> Yeah, he says, hey, SoFi Stadium, this used to be where I used to hang out. So Goff, obviously comfortable with the confines there over at SoFi Stadium. Let's go to the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars and San Francisco 49ers game down in Duval County. Niners, three-point road favorites in this game coming off the bye. Both teams coming off the bye. Jacksonville headed into the bye on the upswing. The Niners headed into the bye on the downswing, having lost three straight games. Debo Samuel, he's good to go. Trent Williams, still iffy, maybe questionable. Didn't practice Wednesday. We'll find out Thursday or Friday. Friday, but uh, how do you see this one playing? You know, it's interesting. I was working on this game this morning, and if I were to tell you the four best games that Trevor Lawrence played this year, none of them were at home. None of them were at home, right? None of them were at home. He, he. When you break down his pass yards, all of them are basically on the total. They're off on the road. I mean. You know, he played in Buffalo, 474 yards. Well, it was over there. Pittsburgh, he had 377, right? Indianapolis, in Indy, he played really well. That was early in the year, 342, they had offense, right? New Orleans, 330. Playing home, you know, Atlanta, you know, they had 300 yards, 195 yards passing. Kansas City, 197 passing. Indianapolis, the second game, 148. They even won those games. Houston, he had 288 yards passing, but they got so far behind. I mean, this is kind of the reverse. You would think Lawrence would be really good against at home, but he's not. And to me, I think San Francisco has had time to regroup and they've had time to readjust themselves. And they're going against a team in Trevor Lawrence that, you know, they've watched the Colts who run their scheme. They've watched the, the Texans who run their scheme play them really well. The Colts didn't play them well in the first game. They gave up the touchdown late, but they played them. I think they'll have a read on it. Everybody's on Jacksonville, though. Everybody, no one's betting San Francisco. And I think San Francisco is going to, it's just like playing a home game for San Francisco. They know the scheme really well of of D'Amico, of, uh, the, of the Jacksonville Jaguars, defensively and offensively. I, I don't know why there hasn't been any more money coming in on them, but to me, with that line staying at three, it makes you worried, but I would take San Francisco. I don't care what sharps are on them. I would take San Francisco. It's my favorite bet of the season up until this point, the 49ers. Like, I, I just – I love this. Like, you're getting a team at the Niners where I think you're getting them at a discount because of what's happened over the last month too. here. Like, it, it just says – like, this is the time to get in on them. And, yeah, I, I, I've been a little bit cooler on Jacksonville all throughout the offseason, and I've admitted, hey, they're probably better than what I thought they were going to be. But still, like, I think that this is the 49ers are past the game. I like the Niners a lot in this game. Favorite better of the season there. I think the Niners get back on the right side. They cover the number, and they win the game over there against the Jaguars. Uh, how about the Ravens? The Ravens have been the team of the – months so far they've been awesome best team in the league in my opinion through the midway point they're now laying six and a half 
against Cleveland. Total 38. That's a lot of number to be laying there against a really good defense in the Browns. But do you, want, do, you, do you want to step I in front of the Browns? Are you laying it? I think it's a trap. I mean, look, I was going through Deshaun Watson's numbers. You know, they won there last year, didn't play very well. I mean, you can't find a game where Watson's played good. I mean, Watson's numbers are so far below what we saw in 18-19 when he was in Houston. You go yeah. through his top games, it's really staggering how bad it is. It's staggering how bad it is. And now without worse at left tackle, you know, I, I think Jones has done a good job of filling in for the right tackle. But now you lost both tackles. You're not really making plays in the passing game. Can you run the football on them? I mean, last time they played, it was – Baltimore does what Baltimore typically does. They're a great first-quarter team. They went right down. They scored. They got the lead. They played from in front, you know, and they made the Browns have to play catch-up. And I don't know if that's – and that was with Dorian uh, Robinson-Thompson. I don't think you got to change that strategy even with Watson. I think if Watson – you know, if he's in the game, you want him to throw it more and maybe he'll turn it over. He didn't turn it over when they won there last year, but that was Tyler Huntley playing. And I think what they held him is 13 points or something like that. I, I, and they had Chubb running the ball. I think it's a trap. I think they want you to take they want you to take the Browns like they wanted you to take the Chargers in Kansas City. Like they wanted you to take Detroit. Like they wanted you to take Seattle. last week. They wanted you to, <laughs> they wanted you to take Seattle. Seattle last week. Like yeah. I think these like I'm my antenna's up on that. Yeah. I haven't bet the it game. It looks too easy to take it does, Cleveland. It does. It looks look too easy. easy. A divisional game that these games are always tight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But boom, you know, low total. You know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, He's one and eleven. Just think about this: Deshaun Watson is one and ten in his last seven starts against teams that have a five hundred or above record. Not good. I mean, he hasn't played well. I mean, that's the fact. He just doesn't. He, he's not the same guy that we remember, and he hasn't shown us that he could be the guy. That's that's not good at all. And like I don't think I'm ready to step in front of Baltimore after what happened last week. Uh, the Ravens. We might not know how good this team is. Maybe the market's still playing catch up on this one. But uh, yeah, it's. I can't wait to watch the game though. That Ravens offense against the the Browns defense because the Browns defense has been pretty electric so far. Now, let's squeeze another game in. This one also in the AFC North. There, the Cincinnati Bengals hosting Houston off of the big win against Buffalo last Sunday. Now the Bengals banged up though at wide receiver. Jamar Chase is dealing with an injury. T Higgins is dealing with an injury but burrow's back he looks like superman once again is this kind of a, a comeback down to earth here for houston or do they show that they can be competitive with one of the contending teams in the afc well i, I think when you look at houston and you see when do they play well and when don't they play well they play really well at home right i mean when you look at their pass yards at home i mean last week he had 443 i know he's the mvp of the league mr haney you know against even against the colts in a loss he threw for 337 but when they've been on the road in, in the last in the road games against Atlanta, they didn't throw. They had a hard time. They lost that game. Baltimore he throws for one ninety six in the opener. Carolina two weeks ago was one nineteen. You know, so he hasn't exactly been electrifying on the road. They've protected the football really well. That's been the key. And you know, the problem is when you're in this game is is you're sitting there thinking, okay, you know, we we're going to go up there and we'll move the ball. The Bengals are really good at inter. They're the number one team in creating interceptions. You can move the ball on them, but you create interceptions. And I don't know how you're going to be able to handle their offense. But I think you got to, before you play this number, I think you got to be really careful and look at the injury report for Cincinnati. Now, Cincinnati, the first four weeks, people say, why is Joe Burrow so good? First four weeks, he averaged under five yards per attempt. Now he's up to seven. They're th and they're throwing it exactly the same amount. They haven't changed the attempts. He's just connecting. Another interesting game out there in the AFC. Interesting for the AFC wildcard as well. The Bengals right now, the current seven seed. Houston, though, trying to creep into that picture as well. That does it for us here on the GM Shuffle. Thank you to our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. As always, thank you to DraftKings. Thank you to Beeson. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Thank you to you, Michael. I will talk to you on Monday as we recap everything that goes on in week number 10. I'll see you then.